0: Good morning, Redeemer. Good morning. My name is Daniel Maundu, and uh, I serve as one of the elders here at Redeemer. It's a great joy, as always, to come together to worship God and hear the preaching of his word. And so this morning, our desire and delight will be that the Lord would speak to us and minister to our hearts. So... Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, so many of us have prayed this prayer to you this morning, that you would speak to us. And so I pray this morning that the thoughts of my mind and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you that it will please you to speak to us, to minister to us for the glory and fame of your son Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. The last time you had some nagging pain, how did you handle it? When you have something that is pressing hard on you, How, do you, how does your whole body respond? Now, when I have pain, it just goes by reflex that my hand just keeps on going, If it's some pain, either in the, some part of the body, I just keep my hand there, or it's from the head, I'm just putting my hand near the head. And of course, if the pain aggravates, I'll be quick to find some medication. Any part of the body, if it develops some pain, there is a general tendency that all the other parts of the body go to care for that ailing part. So we have heard the reading of the scripture, and there is so much of the body, the body, the body. So the passage that uh, we've just heard, is written by Paul to the Corinthians impressing on them that you Corinthians are one body. So it draws the parallels of the human body to show them how they should function as a body. This church, the Corinthian church, Paul founded it in his second missionary journey. The account is written in Acts 17 and 18. In 17, he's ministering in Athens. And then, from Athens, he sails down south to Corinth. Corinth was a strategic commercial city with a lot of business activity. It lies in in, in southern Greece. It lies in between Asia and Rome on the right. So people flocked into Corinth for business. The Romans came to Corinth for business. People from Asia, they came to Corinth for business. People from mainland Greece, they flocked to Corinth for business. And the people from as far as Alexandria, they all gathered in Corinth. So Corinth looks like a city filled with expatriates like Dubai. It is this city that Paul came to minister to. And God brought a lot of fruit in his ministry. In 18 months, Paul preached in Corinth. People from every walk of life, responded to God in faith. But after these 18 months, Paul sailed towards the east to settle in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. Now, while he's in Turkey, the church in Corinth developed problems. So this church sent two successive delegations to Paul in Ephesus. And they brought issues, they brought letters to Paul containing the issues they are facing, the problems they have. Some of the problems that uh, the church in Corinth that time was having was, were divisions, they had factions. They had uh, issues and questions about marriage They had doubts about the resurrection. Amongst themselves, brothers were taking one another to court. And there was a lot of disorder in the use of spiritual gifts. These brothers explained more in detail the extent of the issues facing that church. And therefore, Paul writes 1 Corinthians as a response to the letters that came from Corinth and to instruct them how they should live in harmony as brothers and to direct them on how to live well gospel-centered lives. Paul wants this church that instead of being divided, that they should work together for the advancement of the gospel. He wants them to drop the divisive attitudes and build the faith of those who are weak so that they can effectively witness to the unbelievers. As said, he uses the analogy of the human body to instruct them and remind them that they are the body of Christ. So in our sermon today, we shall see what it means to be one united body, a body full of diversity at the same time. If you're taking notes, I have two main points. So the first point is celebrating unity in diversity. And the second point will be guarding that unity. Let's go to the first point, celebrating unity in diversity. Verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, our one body, so it is with Christ, or so it is with the church of Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. From the beginning of verse 1 in this chapter, Paul has endeavored to bring the Corinthians to a proper understanding of how the spiritual gifts and ministries in the church ought to function. And he does this as said using the clear analogy, that of the human body. He wants them to know that the church should function like the human body. How does the human body function? The human body is one organic unit. And this unit has different organs. We have the eyes, the hands, the ears, the nose, the feet, And many other organs that are hidden right inside that are very vital for the entire functioning of the body. So the church of Corinth is like a body. Now, notice that the body is not just one organ, one huge eye or one big ear or one big hand. Neither are the organs the body, but all parts make one body. All parts serve distinct functions. The eye is for seeing, the ear is for hearing. There are lots of organs inside the body that have different functions, and each has to work well so that the body finally continues, is maintained in good health. These organs are all interconnected and they're interdependent. They function with great harmony and great unity. Likewise, the church body is made up of a wide diversity. Our body has a lot of diversity of organs, a lot of diversity that makes up a body. Our church body has a lot of diversity. So we will observe the diversity in the church from two aspects. So the first aspect of the diversity we are looking at is the different types of people in the church. Look at verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. In Corinth, as seen, there was a wide diversity of people. There were slaves and there were free men. There were rich and there were poor people. There were educated people in Corinth and there were less educated people in Corinth. There were Jews and there were Greeks. And further again, it says in chapter 1 verse 26 of the same book, consider your calling brothers. Not so many of you are wise according to worldly standard. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. In saying this, Paul does not mean that we are not rich people or noble people. The church of Corinth also had a diversity in terms of wealth and nobility. As we obey the command of Christ to make the disciples of all nations, the wide diversity of people coming to him will be inevitable. So the question is, how does one become a member of the body of Christ. How do people, diverse people, become members of the body of Christ? We as individuals are made members of the body of Christ at conversion by the Holy Spirit when we confess Jesus as our Lord. It starts with our response to God's call when we recognize that we have sinned against him and attend to him in repentance and faith. Therefore, all who have repented of their sins and they have trusted Jesus Christ, they have been made members of his body. The baptism here mentioned is not the physical water baptism. It is the spiritual reality of what the Holy Spirit does in bringing us into union with Christ. Union with Christ is a blessed union because we are brought to partake of the life of Christ and all the blessings that Christ gives to his people. His righteousness becomes our righteousness and he gives his people the sure hope of eternal life with him. Therefore, it's not by physical baptism that we become members of the body of Christ. Rather, it's the regeneration by the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus meant when he says that you must be born again and that except you are born again, except a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven all who turn to God in repentance and faith experience the baptism of the Spirit and are merged into one body and they get united to one another since they are receiving life from the same Spirit. They become one body. It also goes that those in whom the Holy Spirit is not dwelling then are not members of the body of Christ. So in Corinth these diverse people are one people of God and the distinctions between Jew and Gentile are abolished in Christ They have a new identity that is found in Christ and they are connected to one another They are filled with the same spirit They have same faith They have one Lord, they have one baptism, and they have one hope of their calling. They are one body. And just as the soul of a human being animates the body, likewise, the Spirit of God animates the body, the church. This is in line with what Christ is saying, that he is the vine and the believers are the branches. Without Christ, without being connected to the vine, we are there. The diversity that we have seen in Corinth is reflected right here in Redeemer. We have members from more than 50 nations of the world. And these members are in diverse occupations, just like we saw in Corinth. This diversity shows that the Lord our God calls all peoples from all nations and makes them a part, or they make part of his body. In coming to Christ and becoming one body, all our sociological differences are negated so that The things that divide the world, the things that polarize the world, should not polarize us as a church. So, there are different types of peoples that make up the body of Christ. That's one aspect of the diversity. Let's look at the second aspect of the diversity that we see in the church. And this is, a diversity of the different types of ministries. Different types of ministries. Look at verse 14 and following. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We have observed that God saves different peoples and makes them one body. But this body has to grow. And to grow and function properly, God gives a variety of gifts to these individual members of the body. So the members of the church are equipped differently by God with gifts, ministries, and abilities that contribute to the overall health and the growth of the church. All the members of the church do not have one similar gift just as the body is not one big eye or a very large ear, as I say. On the contrary, the body needs all the different organs for proper functioning. So in the same way, the church needs these various gifts given to the members for its growth. Notice here that it is God who chooses who to give Which specific gift? No one member is expected to have all the gifts. Every gift or ministry within the church is not complete by itself. It needs the others for the church to be built up. There is a contribution that each gift brings to the body. Therefore, Harmony and cooperation, sympathy and mutual affection are required between the individual members of the body or individual Christians as constituent members of the church body. Now, look at the various ministries we have here in Redeemer. The diversity of ministries we have. So we have elders. Elders. We have teachers, we have deacons, we have leaders of women's groups, we have those who are serving in the golf training center, and we have a diversity of ministries where various gifts, talents, and skills that God has given to the members of this church are put into use for the welfare of the whole church. There are many of you who serve the body by opening your homes for community groups. There are many members who teach in these community groups or teach in various classes that are organized by the church. There are those who are serving us in the bookstore that's always outside there. What about our music team that leads us in worship? And our connections team that serves us well by welcoming us into the hall and ensuring that we are well settled during the services. Think about our setup team. Those brothers who you may not see, because they come very early in the morning, bring the stage, set it up, set up the sound system, arrange the chairs, and after. We have gone, or the service is over. The same brothers are packing it, stacking the chairs, so that we can leave the hall as we received it. People that are not easily seen because they do things behind the scenes. Right now, while the service is running, we have members who are not present with us here because they are serving our Redeemer Kids ministry at the Redeemer uh, down in the palms. There are so many ministries that run behind the scenes that may not be captured by the eye, but they are very useful in getting the entire operation of the Redeemer Church running. And those who are serving, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that God sees what you are doing for the body of and that there is no insignificant ministry before him. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. What he requires of us is to be faithful before him in whatever area of serving that he has given us. One clear thing is that it is him you are serving when you serve the body. The same way, it is him you are not serving when you don't offer your service to the body. If you are a member of Redeemer and you have not been serving and you want to begin serving in the body, there are so many opportunities, especially from the ministries that I've mentioned. You can plug in and start serving. Perhaps one thing you can do is to pass by the connections table and tell them that you want to volunteer in serving the body. I assure you that the leaders or the heads of all the departments I've mentioned, they need volunteers. God calls different types of people, makes them one body, that they, should, that they should be united. He gives this body different gifts and ministries and abilities for its growth. The unity of this body has, however, to be guarded. Something which the Corinthians were failing. They had factions and divisions amongst themselves. And so, with this, we will proceed to our second point. Guarding the unity in the body. The unity of the body is a very precious matter. And all precious things have to be guarded diligently. And all precious relationships have to be guarded diligently. Paul elsewhere tells the believers that they should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There are two ways in which we are to guard the unity according to the text that is before us. There are two attitudes to avoid, and there are two attitudes to embrace if we are to guard the unity of the body. Let's consider the two attitudes to avoid first. Verse 15. If the food shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I'm not the I, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So the first attitude that we see is an attitude of discontentment. So this verse 15 shows us a member who feels like they have not got something special compared to another member. It stems from a feeling that I am not being recognized. I'm not recognized like this brother or that sister. His gifts are making him recognized. But as for me, no one notices me. No one notices what I do. With this mind, then jealousy and envy comes in. I wish I had the gift of this brother or I wish I had the gifts of that sister, then I would be appreciated by people. If only I played the guitar like Johan, then I would be recognized. If only I was serving well like this brother. We tend to be jealous of the people who excel us. Jealousy brings discontentment let we forget that the sole giver of gifts is God. Let's not, however, when we are discontented with the gifts given to us, we are actually protesting against the Holy Spirit, the sovereign giver of gifts. God knows what the body needs, and he knows that more than us. Yet he has prepared the gifts and the persons to whom he should give the gifts. Discontentment threatens the unity and cooperation of the members of the body. So Redeemer, how are we doing in this area? Do you have some jealousy of somebody? What is it in them that is making you jealous? especially people who are serving. Jealousy leads to discontentment, which cripples wholehearted teamwork in the body. The second attitude to avoid is the attitude of pride. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. As in the body, the eye cannot do without the hand, nor the head without the feet. So in the church, the most highly gifted are as much dependent on those less gifted. Just the same way, Those less gifted are dependent on those who are highly gifted. It is only pride that makes a person to think that they do not need the help of others. Pride in a person makes them want everyone to see how superior their gifts are, and they belittle others. It is instructive to remember that all gifts big or small, are given by God. So how can we be proud when what we have is given to us freely? We need to ask ourselves whether we have this kind of attitude. Let me ask you, how do you feel when a new brother in the faith comes to you and says, can I pray for you? Or would you skip a class because you have seen who is teaching the class and said, it's not as gifted as I am. How do you view those people that you think are not as gifted as you are? Do you see them with a sense of, I am better than them? Remember the question that Paul asked the same church, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Pride brings a competitive attitude also. You want to sing so that others can hear how good a singer you are compared to the other person. Or you want to see them you want them to see how good you are that you are better than other people So the question would be again to us in which ways are you tempted with pride How can one serve the body genuinely when they are seeking recognition If you're not acknowledged after a service that you have done, do you have sleepless nights about it? Do you get agitated that your superior performance has not been noticed? Two attitudes to avoid discontentment and pride because they bring a great havoc to the body. So now, let's see the attitudes to embrace. The first one is a caring attitude. Verse 22, following. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care, one for another. See the point of this section Verse 25, that the members of the body of Christ should ultimately have the same care for one another. So a caring attitude drives out division. You won't be divided with those you are caring for. Those who have greater gifts no longer focus on themselves, but on those who seem to be lacking in some way. Those with spectacular gifts have great concern for those with less spectacular gifts. There is same concern and care for all. This is the noble attitude where we do not look after our own interests only, but for those of others. A caring attitude is always on the lookout to be of help to others. With this attitude, anyone in need is not a bother to you because you know that God brought that person into the body so that you may care for them. Here at Redeemer, we have our deaconess of member care who has been quite helpful in coordinating assistance for members from members. We also collect Our benevolence funds to help our members in need. And yet we are aware of the many stories happening among the members, members caring for members. Let's continue to excel in caring for one another, a caring attitude. The second attitude that we have to embrace is the attitude of solidarity. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There is a common phrase, all for one and one for all. This forms the basis of solidarity. As seen in this verse, the pains of one member affect the whole body. The joy of one member is a blessing to the whole body. This is the attitude that we are to relate with. Solidarity. It brings out carefulness in us in how we engage with one another. With this attitude, we can be sympathetic to the conditions of our brothers. It's the kind of attitude where we shall relentlessly pursue what brings joy to the welfare of the others and avoid what may bring pain to another. It's the attitude where we consider every member to be important and useful to the body. With this attitude, we will love our brothers and sisters as ourselves. We shall care for those who are hurting. We shall seek to comfort. We shall weep with those who weep. We shall rejoice with those who rejoice. We shall carry one another's burdens because we are one body. The attitude of solidarity. Let's embrace it, Redeemer. Let's remember, as a body, as a church, that we are that one body, and we are called by one Lord, and we are filled with one Spirit. And we have one faith, one baptism, called to one hope, belonging to one God and our Father. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray.